Magic Book Club with Benson's for Beds. Welcome to the Magic Book Club podcast, the podcast where we find out exactly what makes our favourite authors put pen to paper. Well, you know these days, fingers to keyboards. On this episode, we're joined by the mind behind a gorgeous debut novel, Caleb Azuma, an actual Hollywood superstar, Priyanka Chopra-Jones, who chats to Tom Price about just what goes into writing a memoir when you're still only 38. So sit back, pour yourself a cuppa or spark up that treadmill in the garage as we find out just what makes these authors tick. First up then, we are super excited to be joined by a very exciting young author and the great, wise mind behind the beautiful debut novel, Open Water. It's Caleb Azuma Nelson. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, thank you, for a drizzly Friday (laughs) in January. What about your good self? I I think we're in the same boat. Mm. Yeah, 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 I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. How's lockdown treating you this time around? Are you slowly going bonkers, or is it a time of of uh, is it a time where you get more creative? It's it's been interesting because I guess I'm at this point just under a week out from publication, and so things have really been ramping up in that time. Simultaneously, I have just been inside for so long at this point that I feel like I'm just going round in circles. <laughs> Um, it is uh, your open water is your debut novel. It is out very very soon. And uh, how does it feel? Because this is, I mean, I've just re- it's been such a breath of fresh air, Caleb. I can't tell you uh, oh, reading it. You. And you know, in a in a you know a sea of kind of great cinematic thrillers with twenty nine adjectives in each sentence, this just just is beautiful. It's absolutely it's been a joy to read. But obviously, it's extremely personal, and has been close to you for a very long time. So how does it feel to be releasing your baby? into into the book the bookiverse <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange feeling um having signed my book contract in october 2019 and obviously having really grand plans for 2020 and seeing those <laughs> scuppered by the pandemic um it's a, i feel like i've just kind of been waiting really like excitedly to get to this point like a kind of like a jittery child that's about to get a present um <laughs> And I think, yeah, we're about like just under a week from that. And so the the like nerves have set in very slightly, but it's it's more so like an anticipation rather than anything else. Like I'm just really excited to see it out in the world. Uh, well, I, I mean, I think it's fairly safe to say that the signs are really good <laughs> and the buzz is really tangible. It's been huge online. Uh, just swathes of fantastic reviews. That's That's got to feel good though, right? It does, it does. I think having worked so hard on writing it, like it, I wrote it really quickly. Like I wrote the majority of Open Water in about two or three months. Wow. Um, in this kind of like feverish, like summer of 2019. But obviously afterwards kind of went back through and was editing and working with my UK and US editors to, to just get it perfect. Um, and it's so nice to have all of the energy that I put into it reciprocated and just see all of the the buzz and the reviews. It's really funny that you said that, that feverish summer of 2019, because you can feel that. And it feels, as a read, it feels like I'm I'm in your brain. It really feels like I'm in your brain and there's this constant stream of thought in amongst the, the, the plot and the story and the character. It's, you know, I feel like I'm so carried with you. Um, I don't really want to give away any spoilers uh, uh, but can, what can you tell us how would you describe um the the story that you've written i think i mean first and foremost it's a it's a love story right you know two young people meet by chance in a bar in southeast london 
um, and just have a very immediate attraction to each other and across the course of the book uh, experience this real pull and tug of of that attraction and of this like blossoming love and seeing that tested over time and circumstance and distance um it's yeah it was a real joy to write but i think at times it was really heartbreaking too um and i think it's also it's also a book about loss as well there's there's kind of experiences of grief within the book as well as loss of of self and identity and i think that yeah, I don't want to give too much away. I won't, I won't go too much into it, but that's, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the kind of little it teaser is. there. Well, it is, it is, you know, it is heartbreaking. It's in, And also, can I thank you personally as well uh, for the music? This is so interactive. So I've gone, like I did this the other day, so I've got and picked out all the music. Uh, yeah, I've got mm-hmm. a, you to blame for spending an absolute shed load on iTunes, okay? <laughs> um, but I was, I was just, re, I was, I was, I went back and reread the last couple of chapters listening to grief by Earl sweatshirt and um mm-hmm. it was like you know that 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 aching soundtrack um yeah. this, and these other bits and pieces it's it's so sensual did you always intend for it to feel quite three-dimensional like that yeah of course i think it was as i as i started writing like i i understood that the, all of these all of these different references were making my way making their way into my writing process and were giving the writing another dimension that I couldn't have even expected. Like that old sweatshirt song, Grief is, um, it samples an Erica Badu song, which yeah. samples the song previously. And so there's all these like various layers that are coming into, coming into the work that you can't, you don't like explicitly know, but you can feel. Um, and it just, every time that I would insert a song into the narrative, it would take a direction of its own. And I just kind of trusted that direction it was going in. Thank you as well for reminding us all how wonderful that Solange album is. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Um, now, the two the two characters are obviously in this highly complicated um, uh, love story and it is, you know, heartbreaking and joyous in equal measure. Also, of course, Open Water is reflecting on the ideas of race and, macul- and masculinity, um, which which have been, th- you know, sort of thrust into the limelight, particularly in the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as, as a young black man, your, yourself, with the backdrop of uh, how how amazing the conversation has become around black lives matter and um how passionate we you know the the whole conversation has become in the last 12 18 months are you what what is your hope with a book like this i think it's um it's interesting right because i wrote this book before this sudden very sudden explosion last year during the pandemic of the the awareness of the black lives matter moment and i think with with this book I'm kind of trying to say that this these issues have existed long before they were like really publicly aware and they will continue to exist even when it kind of comes in and out of the news cycle and yeah. like I wanted to commit something that felt down to paper that felt very permanent that could be like a reference point that was always there and that you could always kind of look to and could start conversations and could encourage people to on both sides to come forward and and to express themselves very freely. Um, yeah, um, and and have you? Uh, how much of your own experiences so far influenced this as well? I mean, I guess Samuel is is to a degree um, an every man, an every young black man. Yeah, I think the um, I think so much of the book was 
me trying to because it's not autobiographical but it was me trying to tap into feelings that I'd experienced and really work from there I think so often when I started when I was writing it was like okay well what have you felt before and how can we use this to push the narrative rather than using plot to push the narrative um I really want to as you described it's like a really sensual experience and I wanted it to be something that the reader was was really feeling and I think that also pushed my decision to to put the book in the second person and have it addressed as like kind of like a you so it felt like the reader was both an audience and also the protagonists themselves they were also feeling exactly what was happening uh it's 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 um such a refreshing read for, from that perspective you know that putting it in that person it, it's um you know and, and actually because we get so used to novels being written in a in a certain style um that y- y- it actually took a little bit of getting used to you know mm-hmm. kind of you're kind of wow this is i've got you've got to concentrate and it's um uh, uh, you get so much back from it for doing that as well um i just wonder about how you feel um because uh, because of because of the subject matter and because of the Black Lives Matter discussion um, that's happened, whether or not that puts more pressure on you as a you know that you are the voice of young black writers, does that make life easier or more difficult, or is it something that you take willingly? Um, I think it's there's there's definitely a slight pressure there in that there just aren't that many black writers being published in the UK there are lots of black writers but they aren't making their way into like into the forefront like that um but like I kind of embrace it in a sense like I I knew what I was getting myself into when I wrote this book like I understood that there were I understood that there were parts of like myself and of my my personal experiences to do with race and discrimination and particularly like police and state violence that were being inserted here that I knew I would have to discuss but like I also understood that I that like I had to go to those places in order to write this book like I had to make myself vulnerable in order to do that now um as well as it being a a fantastic study of gender and race and romance and love uh it is also well I'm not even going to say a bit a massive love letter to southeast London (laughs) even the beloved Peckhamplex gets a mention which my producer Alex will be thrilled about when she gets to read it because it's like you know it's for those people who don't know Peckhamplex is uh is an independent cinema in Peckham um which is like just brilliant and super full of character um everybody's very passionate about their little corner of london um why why does south east london mean so much to you um it's where i've lived all my life really (laughs) it has just been like the past 26 27 years has been (laughs) occupied in this in this kind of tidy corner of london that feels like its own country at times um <laughs> anyone will tell anyone from southeast london will just argue you like off the table if you <laughs> if you try to say that any other part even like southwest <laughs> is better than is better than southeast yeah dulwich is pushing it do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is just like a um i think i really wanted to render this this part of my life and this community that like I've always known, and even if I were to move away, would always know um, in just like its full quality and like afford all of the characters, the colour that they deserve. Um, you, you write so beautifully. And, I, you know, like I said, it does just feel like 
you know, a stream of consciousness sometimes and that I'm very much under your skin. Uh, your short story, Prey, was also shortlisted for the BBC National Short Story Award 2020. Yeah. Um, and I know because, I, you know, I, I introduced you as this young debut author, but of course the reality of it is is that you've been writing for many, many years. <laughs> um, uh, did you, it, was it something that you knew you wanted to do? Because uh, obviously you have your photography side as well. Was yeah. it something that was on the list or has it just... Has it just sort of appeared as something that happened? No, no, this is like, this feels like it's been like 20 years in the making. Like I've always wanted to write. It's, I remember being five, six years old and just always having a book in my hand and forcing my mum to, to go to the shops when she didn't want to, to go and buy me more books. And <laughs> We hear you were a bit of a library fanatic as well. Absolutely. Um, any spare time I'd be in the library, I... Uh, when I was like nine or ten, asked my local council to get a library installed in our school because I'd run out of books to read. Um, Good man. <laughs> yeah, I've always, I, just, I really appreciate libraries. And actually, Open Water was, a lot of it was written in the British Library at um, St Pancras. That's old school, going to the library to write. I keep yeah. telling my teenage daughter, I'm like, well, we were your age, we'd go to the library to revise. <laughs> She's like, I don't even know what that is. Um, but um, that's a, what, that, a hugely inspirational place to write as well. Can you remember what you were reading when you were younger? You have those first authors that inspired you. Um, I remember reading a lot of Mallory Blackman growing up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just like always reaching and being like, okay, so when's her new book out? Like, what's what's next? Um, awesome. And just getting to the point where I was just rereading her work and being like, well, where else is the? Where else can I find narrative like this? <laughs> Um, now, what's I know that this is this is we're you know we're uh, we're we're just on the brink of open water being um, in the hands of, of the nation. Uh, has this come sooner than you thought? Because this is this is obviously a, there's there's a huge buzz around it and everybody's very yeah. excited about it. Are you are you ready for it, Caleb? Are you ready for the attention? I feel I feel ready now, but I think initially, when I when like I signed open water and had this kind of like nine-way auction to to sell the book like I was honestly a bit shocked I was really wow. amazed I was wow. like this is this is like something I think it got to it really got to like midway through 2020 before I really was able to to process that specific moment and even now kind of like a week away from from putting the book out it feels very surreal it feels like a dream um yeah but I, I feel ready I do feel ready <laughs> Um, we like to find out a little bit about how our authors write on the podcast. So um, you said that you you wrote this over most of it anyway over two or three months, um, very very quickly. So where would describe where you are when you're writing? Do you sit? Do you put it on tape? What do you write with? I um I tend to when I when I have a project on what tends to happen is that I'm like furiously note taking all the time to to the point that like it will begin to annoy people around me I'm like I'm note taking on my phone on an app or I'm like scribbling with a notebook um because like the thoughts and the sentences just keep coming and every I tend to write in the morning so I will get up as as early as possible when when I was writing open water it would be for the library's opening at 9 30 um and I would have a yeah I'd have a coffee to to get ready and to steady myself <laughs> and what because I don't often plan what's coming next like I just kind of like trust 
myself and what I have been thinking about and like have faith in myself that something is going to come. There's always this brief period of about two or three minutes where I have this like insane panic where I'm just like, oh, well, I can't write anymore. I, I've forgotten how it's to do this. Page. Ah. <laughs> yeah, like, like, what am I doing? Um, but once I bat that away, it's kind of like I, I ease into it and then I I will just write steadily for for most of the day. Um, I usually be on my laptop. I'll have my headphones on. I've got a playlist going. Um, I have to. I have to now. I have to remind myself to get up and walk and take breaks because they are really <laughs> useful. But before it'd be like three hours before I noticed that my stomach was like grumbling angrily at me. Eat, man! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> There's um um. I I, I really want to. I, well, here, well, there we, this leads me to my next my next question because there is a little trailer, a visual, a video trailer for Open Water on your Twitter page. Is this a little experiment in visuals or is this a tease that we might have a TV adaptation to come? It is a, it's an experiment in visuals in that I wanted to, like as a photographer, I was just like, I need to do something yeah. visually for this work. Um, and... There might be more coming, uh, but I really wanted to, at this stage, was like, oh, well, I need to, I want to do something that puts my own stamp on it. And kind of like, I know that people really, really like resonate with things visually nowadays. Um, and so last, yeah, it was last month, actually, um, I asked one of my friends who was a producer, I was like, okay, I want to put this together by sometime in January. <laughs> what? would it take to happen and he initially laughed a at me. miracle <laughs> um he initially laughed at me but um but really quickly helped me put this together like we we did pre-production for about two weeks um and then shot like a few days before christmas and it was honestly just a dream shoot like everyone was so was so hands-on and was ready to just commit to to get and get done um and yeah, it's been really, it's actually the response to it has just been so lovely. It's been really, really nice. Uh, it's completely gorgeous. And, and I, I instinctively, I don't know, I just feel like you could, you could experience this novel of yours on so many different levels and in so many different ways. I can see myself sort of walking through galleries with the, the playlist and pictures and, <laughs> um, you know, spoken word and, and, and everything. It's, it's an absolutely gorgeous piece of writing, Caleb, and I'm Thank so you. excited for you um, and uh, for everybody else to get their hands and read on this because it, is, it feels important and, uh, and, it, and it's so beautifully written. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us on the podcast it's been a pleasure to meet you thank you thank you do take care what an absolutely gorgeous person he is and it's a fabulous debut if that's a taste of what we have to come then we're in for a treat from this young writer now from stunning debuts to huge hollywood superstars our very own tom price caught up with the ridiculously talented priyanka chopper jones about her new memoir unfinished I know she's young, but she's got a lot to fill it with. Priyanka, tell us a little bit about all the things that you've got going on in your life at the moment. You are filming at the moment, but in between filming, you've managed to... I mean, does one even drop a book these days? I know, you, you know, all sorts of things get dropped on social media. Uh, you've got a memoir out. Tell us about this. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Like, I'm an author. What? <laughs> I'm a little mind blown that, you know, somebody took a chance on that. Um, I've always wanted to write. Uh, it's something that I was excited about, but also very nervous about because I think it's a really large achievement to be able to write a, lot, a book. So I thought I would write a memoir because it seems like that would be the easiest thing to write about, right? Like you've lived your life, so just write it. Yeah. Completely wrong. That's not 
that's not how it goes. Um, it's like jumping into the deep end if you're writing a memoir and you know, you have to really think about is your life interesting enough to write about really? And what are the memories and what are the lessons and it's cathartic and healing. And um, I was trying to corroborate my 20 years in the entertainment business when I decided that, all right, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to take stock of my life. Um, and then it sort of ran away from me. It took a life of its own and it became, it, it became very personal. And I, I was surprised too. I don't, I think if it wasn't for quarantine and if it wasn't for such a daunting time in the world, maybe it would have been a different book. Right. Okay. Well, why do you mean? Because as you're, you've got all that time in quarantine. So you're sort of, are you going deep as you write it? Are you, are you, are you remembering things you've forgotten about for years? Yeah. It's not like I would be writing the, you know, it's not like I'm writing the book on a plane. Like when I have an hour between two cities or, um, you know, this time I was at home and I was in my safe comfort zone and I could sit down with the computer and sometimes a pen and whatever device I needed. Um, but I, I took the time to sort of look inside and it's not easy and it doesn't, you can't do it on the go. And I realized mm -hmm. that because I had six months to just be at home and actually focus on thinking about everything that I'd been through. And of course there are memories that I didn't even remember and I had to corroborate with people. And there were things that I um, didn't think about, hadn't thought about for years, which just popped up. What like? Um, Give us an example. What sort of things? Just like early career, early memories. Um, I was writing about when I went to boarding school in third grade. Mm. And there were memories, like literally visceral memories of what that boarding school felt like. It was like Hogwarts, you know, it was oh, very nice. like Harry Potter-like. And I remember the cold air in the you know cafeteria because it was such large, made of stone. Um, the sound of shoes and like it was it, all, it was so visceral to me when I was writing I'm a visual person being an actor um you yeah. know I, I come from performance art so everything is very visual for me so even my writing sort of I I saw it very visually when I was writing it yeah very visual but also uh, there's an academic uh seam isn't there in your life things like the uh, the engineering and all that like the the life that could have been sliding doors right <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, um, as an engineer, you could probably design some sliding doors, but yeah. That's true. Time travel ones as well. Um, <laughs> yes, please. You know, I was always very fascinated with science. I still am. I love tech. I think innovation and technology is incredible. I mean, look at where yeah. we are. We're being able to do everything because of technology while being in a global pandemic, you know. Um, so I think that uh, it was definitely a vocation I was really interested in, but, you know, destiny pushed me towards the arts, I guess, and thankfully so I have the life that I do but um, I think that I, I'm just someone who has a thirst for knowledge so I think even if I would have done that I would have kind of had the same philosophy which is you know imbibing and learning and being a student and you know being executing the best you can on an everyday basis mm. so I may have yeah. done all right there too. Yeah I think so <laughs> not bad not bad um, how have you found it then to 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 divide up all these different things you've got going on in your life how do you you know a lot of people find time management incredibly difficult so to be on a set one minute to be writing a memoir the next i know you say quarantine's helped but how do you how do you segment if you like your life up into all these different chunks Ooh, i have a really great answer for this because i've thought about it tremendously <laughs> and it's taken okay. me 20 years but i've gotten <laughs> to a place where i've simplified it oh give me wisdom give us the wisdom 
Okay, so you divide it into two, life and work. That's it. You don't Done. need anything else. You have to say, all right, in 24 hours, I want to work for 15 hours or I want to work for eight hours or 10 hours or whatever your day requires of you. But once that's done, you shut the door Good. and you come back home to your family, your dining table, you watch, you know, binge watch TV, but you have to, that division is crucial. And then everything else that is not family falls into the work category. So that's, could be my beauty line. It could be my book. It could be whatever, but I have to decide how much time I'm going to dedicate to that and then come back to real life because work can't be real life. I think, I think that's such good advice. And it's so difficult at the moment because we're all stuck in these small spaces at the moment. And it's very, very hard to say, right, I'm going to go to that corner of the house to do work and this corner of the house is my family. They're sort of merging into one mess at the moment. There's lots of people, you know, half the time they're on WhatsApp trying to do work things while the kids are getting in the way and stuff. So that feels very pertinent advice. I like that. Even within our house, like this room that I've created, this is my workspace. Yeah. Everything else is, you know, sort of my life space. So to have a space dedicated in your home, which is like, this is where I'm going to go for work. And you shut the door to that as soon as you're done and then come back home to, you know, it just it creates a normalcy to the chaos that we all live in, especially right yeah. now with the world of information. We have so much information that's bombarded to us that you have to be able to compartmentalize. That's it. That's the yeah. only way to be sane. So tell us a bit about the sort of thing we're going to find out when we read this book. Are we going to find out a bit about life uh, with you and Nick, for example, how you met Nick? That's all in there, isn't it? Well, he is a big chapter in my life. So he's a big chapter in my memoir. <laughs> yeah. He'd be, he'd be furious if he wasn't in it. Can you imagine Maybe. the moment when he reads it? Like he's finishing it on the bed and he's like, darling, I'm not, I'm not in it. That'd be so awkward. You get um, no, he's this book is a massive reflection of where I am today and the things that matter to me today. And he's obviously a big part of that. So he's in the book and he approved it. Thank God. So it's all good. <laughs> there was a nod. Was there a nod when he was happy with what was in there? Yeah. <laughs> how have you found um, how have you found lockdown with, with him? Is how, how has that been? Just the two of you bouncing off the walls or has it been quite nice to have that quality time? Oh, not at all. I mean, you know, we have such large individual careers, which, you know, demand so much from us. The, this was yeah. truly a blessing. Um, we would have never had six months together. Like, <laughs> it's not a possibility. Um, but, you know, we like still get, like each other at the end of that. So it shows that, um, you know, we're in a good place. And that was something that I think we really needed. Yeah, yeah. It's like a second honeymoon. Yeah, but my first one didn't last six months. <laughs> there you go. It's a six-month honeymoon. The dream. <laughs> the dream, for um, sure. So uh, the experience of writing the book, uh, which uh, is called Unfinished. You're very, I mean, you're very young to be writing a memoir. There's going to be an unfinished two, right? And an unfinished three, surely. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, um, you know, the title is sort of franchise-like. <laughs> yeah. It, it lends itself to a sequel. Um, hopefully, you know. Um, I definitely do want to be able to write again. I don't know if it's a book or a screenplay or what form it will be. But um, let's see what happens with this first one. You know, if it, yeah. people sort of take to it and it's, it's, I'm doing it for the first time. So I'm, I'm nervous at the moment. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And you write beautifully about, you know, there's, there's dark times, the, the, the passing of your father. That's obviously, it's a very personal thing. And it's hard to write that in such a touching way without resourcing to, 
I don't know, cliche. It feels it feels fresh and very real, and it, it's it's beautiful to read. It's really great. It's great. Thank you so much. That was not great. the easiest how, thing to write about. No, I was going to say, how how was that process? Was it therapeutic in the end, or was it was it very difficult? Um, I don't know if it was difficult or therapeutic. I think it was just factual. When I was writing it, I was just writing what I remembered. I couldn't feel anything. But I think when I read it in the form of the whole manuscript, when I read the entire book for the first time, that's when it affected me the most because I was sort of going through all the, I was navigating my life in real time while I was reading the book. And then I felt what I felt at that time. And I think that was, that was hard. I had to take, I had to stop, I had to pause, you know, take a moment. Um, yeah. You know, but like, there were times, many times in the book, sort of, I felt like that, which were things that I, you know, discussed in the book that I probably never have, never will. Um, personal things, emotions, failures. Um, you know, I've been a public person for a very long time, but I've still been rather private with like the real things, you know? Mm. Um, so this is sort of like, I scratched below the surface and it surprised me too. <laughs> Are there things that you held back on? Are there things which you think you're gonna, maybe you'll get around to when you, when you do the sequel? Um, no, but I, I didn't make this book about other people. I didn't make this book about um, things that didn't, don't matter to me anymore. I just, you know, it's, it's a very, it's personal essays. So it's yeah. all about where I am right now at this age, in this moment, and sort of reflecting at everything else. So, um, so the, nothing really as crucial that I've sort of pulled out of the book. Okay, okay, good, good, okay. Um, and in terms of uh, you as a reader, because everyone who writes a book has, has got, got to be a fan of, of, of reading, um, what do you go to? Are, are you an avid reader? What kind of stuff do you like to read? I love reading um, whenever I get a chance to, actually, because most of the time I'm behind a pile of scripts. Uh, yeah. You know, my production company is developing a bunch of movies right now, so I always have so much reading I'm behind on. Um, because I'm a little hands-on myself about it. Uh, but I do love a good book and just getting lost in it before I sleep. You know, one more chapter, one more <laughs> page. It's like, it's my favorite when I find a book like that. Um, and, you know, I, I'm very moody about my reading, depending on, it's sort of like how I consume movies, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's what you feel like. I feel like an action movie today. Or I usually do read two books at the same time, you know, because I'm yeah. moody. Um, but I read this amazing book called um, Homegoing, which I've been recommending to all my friends. Um, okay. It's by an author called Yagyazi. And it's, it's a story of two sisters from Ghana a couple of centuries ago. One who marries a slave trade slave trader and one who's sold into slavery. And wow. the five generations after that, which you know end in book ends somewhere in like Harlem or in America somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. and it's the journey of their descendants. It's, it was so fascinating the writing wow. and the immersion of culture and family and um so I really it was very immersive as a story. Yeah. Uh um, then of, of course The White Tiger my, I would recommend to my movie which is right now out on Netflix but I would really recommend to people to read the novel 
it's by um, an author called Alvin Adiga and yeah. it's amazing. Fantastic, fantastic. Yes, that is out now on Netflix, isn't it? So many things going on, Priyanka. Thank you for finding time <laughs> to talk to us on the Magic Book Club and congratulations on Unfinished. And just to be clear, it is this one is finished, right? This isn't like a pilot. This, this no, one is it's done. finished. Thank God it's finished. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> thank God, she says, thank God. Uh, it's a great read and uh, what a fantastic life so far. So far, Priyanka. Um, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bless him, Tom Price. What a lady. Well, that's all we've got time for on the Magic Book Club podcast today. Head to magic.co.uk to see the rest of our February picks and join the club. And in the meantime, happy reading. <laughs>